I think we are much more exposed than people realize and a cybersecurity claim can take your business under. And that's where I think I've heard so many stories and I've seen the data that indicates that companies are getting taken down by ransomware. Hey guys, thank you for tuning in to another episode of PayNow by Letter. Today we have a very interesting guest. Pritam Dutta is an investor who specializes in cybersecurity and computer science. He completed his PhD in computer science from Columbia University and is now focused on using his broad skill set to create platforms around cybersecurity. Alpha Secure is currently his main project which provides a complete cybersecurity solution by combining technology and insurance. Furthermore, he is a national member of Schools That Can, which has the vision of closing the existing opportunity and skills gap. In this episode, we dive deeper into cybersecurity insurance and why businesses need them, the importance of personal data security, innovations in the cybersecurity industry, evolving landscapes of work and what we can do about it, and riding the mega trend of cybersecurity through industry leaders. Now, let's get on with the show. Welcome to the PayNow Bioletter Podcast. Thank you so much for being here. And first, let's get started with your story, how you, how you started investing and what brought you through this journey of investing. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I always thought, no, thanks for having me. Um, okay. I've always viewed investing as a great way to, you know, there's time, your money effectively, if you just put it into a savings account because of inflation, your money is effectively going down uh, or your buying power. Um, and so I always thought investing was a good idea as long as you didn't lose money. And so I was always, you know, I remember I was born in Houston and there was a study, uh, you know, stock company called Enron. And I remember, Ooh, Enron, this is exciting. And then Enron didn't do so well. And I'm like, wait, I don't want a stock that goes down in value. <laughs> and it was more of a process where I just wanted to make sure I understood. So I probably studied the markets, understood companies, balance sheets, income statements, all the good stuff. Um, probably studied it for upwards of several years before I even bought a single company. Um, and the most anticlimactic thing is when I actually bought a company, it, it was uh, an ETF. So it wasn't even a company that I bought. I bought a basket of companies and I, I still think that's a great way to invest. Yeah, definitely. And um, you're involved with an organization called Schools That Can. Do you mind briefly explaining uh, what their cause is and their impact and if there's any effects from COVID? Yeah, Schools That Can is a nonprofit um, that is focused on bringing STEM education to underprivileged areas. Um, students who do not come from, you know, great backgrounds necessarily. Um, I, I was very fortunate to join the national board of the organization this year, earlier this year, and it's been very insightful. I mean, I've been someone who's been around education a very long time. I've been in school a very long time. Um, did my undergrad at Yale before going off to do my PhD at Columbia. So I've been in school a long time. And one of the things I realized is how many doors education opens for you. And for me, it was STEM education. How many doors STEM education opened for me? 
And so School as I Can was a really unique opportunity for me now to go and take educational insights and try to help build out STEM educations for underprivileged areas. Um, and COVID's been a huge impact. Um, you know, the organization, as with many schools, they were not ready for it. I don't think anyone was ready for it, but especially in the nonprofit world, it's, it's a little bit trickier. Um, you know, there's big events that used to be in person, which are great fundraising opportunities. Those are now virtual now, and it's a different feel to those. Um, schools that can was very good um, at pivoting yep. and moving the programs virtual. Attendance was actually probably better than in-person events. Um, you know, active engagement funding has been great. You know, the, the backers for organization have been very strong, um, very committed to the cause. Um, and we've been very fortunate on that front. And the schools, they've, been, they've done a great job of pivoting again to a virtual-based education. So, you know, Zoom-based classes and things. And it's more important now that we, you know, I, I obviously, you know, anyone in the nonprofit education sector will talk about how important education is for the wealth gap and things. But I think education is very important to helping students. And I don't want to see COVID uh, cause the gap in education to increase at all. Yeah, 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 hundred percent. I, I, I feel the same way about education. I feel like that's the only way we can give equal opportunity. Do, do you mind briefly elaborating on your investment philosophy and uh, what are some non-negotiables that you look for in a stock and the key components, pretty much? Yeah, I, I think my investment philosophy, as you know, for my, I speak only to my personal. Uh, investing here is that I want to invest in companies that I think are meaningful, you know, that aren't a temporary trend in the market, but yeah. something that will be around forever. Um, great example of companies that I think are never going to go anywhere, Microsoft, right? Like, I hate to say it, like, I can't imagine another word processor, but Microsoft Word, you know, like yeah. uh, half the world is probably using Windows lab, you know, Windows based operating systems. Um, and so I want companies that have huge potential, you know, I like the large cap space. I, I think it's, it's in my personal account, you want to be less risky. Um, so you want something that you can accrue value over time. That's why I always recommend uh, friends of mine who are learning about investing, trying to learn how to invest. I tell them that ETFs are your friend <laughs> and mutual, uh, mutual funds maybe, depends, right? Like try to get exposure to different sectors and have a balanced portfolio and ETFs are your friend because they are a basket of companies as opposed to picking one company. And recently, yesterday, I saw there was an ETF just for SPACs. What would be your advice for individual investors, obviously, when it comes to very flashy ETFs? Yeah, I would check the organization and the people managing the ETF. Um, mm -hmm. I would see how trustworthy and how much you believe and how much you're willing to lose. I think the number one rule of investment I tell everyone is be prepared what happens if you lose all your money, right? I think that's the first thing. With an ETF, obviously, with the more balanced portfolio, your odds are better. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, or better of not going to zero, I should say. Um, but, but I'd say look at who's running the books um, and, tr you know, 
there's great organizations, Fidelity, Vanguard, a number of others that have ETFs. So um, I would just do your research, make sure that you're not putting 100% of everything you own into one thing. Okay. Um, and I think that's, uh, you, you'll be okay. Let's dive deep into cybersecurity. Um, what else, like I've seen your answers on cyber insurance and that's the first time I actually came across that. So what, what are the key differences between cyber insurance and cybersecurity? Yeah, absolutely. So I'm a huge advocate for cybersecurity insurance. I actually am a founder of a company called Alpha Secure, um, nice. which is a cybersecurity insurance company. And the basic premise of Alpha Secure is that small businesses need the same cybersecurity protections as big companies, but oftentimes it's hard for them to get the same protections. Um, small companies can't really afford the high price point of some of the really good security product. And the other thing is a lot of these companies do not have the personnel in-house to even support cybersecurity software. Um, so I think cybersecurity insurance is an essential form of business protection, especially as everyone's using e-commerce and all these other portals. Like you'll be surprised. Like I, I personally think my social security number is probably somewhere on the internet. Like I think we are much more exposed than people realize and a cybersecurity claim can take your business under. And that's where I think I've heard so many stories and I've seen the data that indicates that companies are getting taken down by ransomware especially during COVID ransomware is like running a havoc for these small companies. And so I think it's a very important business protection. Um, I obviously know who people should, um, who I think everyone should be purchasing it. And I think it's very important that you don't just buy cybersecurity insurance, you also protect yourself. And that's what Alpha Secure is very strong at is it provides free protection coupled with the insurance because it, although you can make an insurance claim, it's better not to have to make a claim um, yeah, because first place, it's yeah. better to have smooth business operations than to have to slow something down. So I think that cybersecurity insurance is one of the fastest growing areas of insurance, um, you know, from a, you know, volume of transactions in the space. I think it's going up and we'll only see it going faster and faster. Um, so it's a very unique area of insurance. And I think, uh, I think it's a very exciting time to be in that space for sure. Yeah, definitely. And so to capture cybersecurity insurance, are there particular companies who are, you know, specialized in doing that? Or is it just part of what main companies like say CrowdStrike or Palo Alto, is it part of what they do usually? No, so CrowdStrike and you know Palo Alto and all of these are cybersecurity vendors. They, okay. you know, cyber CrowdStrike I think has a product with some insurance attached to the product, um, but most cybersecurity vendors provide just product and protection for a very particular cyber threat. Um, right. Cybersecurity insurance is more of a blanket that goes around your company to protect you in case anything goes wrong cyber-wise. Um, so that the coverages come from, you know, your traditional carriers, your AIGs, Chubbs, Axis, you know, Travelers, Hartford, um, all, almost all the big insurance carriers have a cyber policy. Um, and so there are specific companies that are focused on cybersecurity insurance, though, uh, and they're called MGAs, which are managing general agencies. With work 
payments, education, everything going online throughout the last year. Do you think people are underestimating the threat of cyber security? Absolutely. I think what's happening in the cyberspace today is people don't realize that you don't have to be a $10 billion organization for there to be a cyber event. Um, there was new data that indicates that you know, 40 to 50% of companies have experienced a cyber incident over the last 12 months and they don't even realize it. Um, and if you look at the number of ransomware attacks that are taking place, you know, the scale of these attacks are getting bigger, they're asking for more money, um, and they're really taking businesses offline. So I think it's, unfortunately or fortunately, it's a problem that every, it's definitely unfortunate that everyone is facing it. Um, and I think it's, it's something you can't avoid. It's turned into a board level dis decision. Like if you look at every single filing from any company, you'll see them talk about cybersecurity at least a few, yeah. few times. They have to. Yeah. So say for example, if there's a business, small business owner who recently took his operations online, listening to this podcast, what would you, and he has no plans. He has not even thought about cybersecurity. What would you tell him to actually convince to take steps into that direction? Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, if you're in the U.S., for example, um, I recommend you go to alphasecure.com and buy a policy. Uh, no, <laughs> um, no, honestly, I, I, I think if you were in the U.S., for example, I would highly recommend to get a cybersecurity insurance policy. It's quite inexpensive. Um, on a relative basis, you know, it's not that expensive. It really isn't. Um, and given how inexpensive it is, it's such an important form of coverage. It's almost a no-brainer, in my opinion. And I would really be focused as an independent business owner to also make sure that I put good security software in my enterprise. Um, so obviously, that's where Alpha Secure really shines is that we give our software away for free um, with our right. with our insurance oh, policy. Ah, oh, okay, got it. So that that's a pretty good deal. I don't think they can ask for anything better if they. Yeah, I I, yeah. I mean we've we've done the comparative work on our cyber software, and you know similar products retail about three hundred dollars a user a year. So if you think about it, if you have a ten person company. Uh, you're spending about $3,000 on okay. cyber. We yeah. save you all of that money with just buying policy and protection. Um, and so I think all businesses just generally should be very careful with how they handle their data. In Europe, you've got GDPR and several other data precautions for customer data and your own data. Um, I'd be very careful with how you handle your data, how you handle your payments, you know, how you store your passwords, make sure your password's not password. Um, I, I think it's very important to have protocols in place, you know, just fail safe. Like, you know, uh, we get hit by a ransomware attack. What next? You know, what is your precautions in place? Just thinking through those questions if you are not in a position today to buy insurance or buy cybersecurity software, there's a bunch of open source free software out there it's a little bit harder to use. So I don't know how user-friendly it is if you're not technical, but I would highly recommend people definitely make sure that their computers have, you know, up to date on patches, up to date on all the security drivers, um, and just try to be as secure as possible. Unfortunately, the biggest thing about security is there's two things, security and then there's the usability of your system. 
the more security you have, oftentimes your system becomes less usable. It's finding that nice balancing act between the two that you'll, you'll get a happy medium. What if you take that to a more personal perspective and with regards to personal data security, what can individuals do to protect their data? And I'm pretty sure like most of us don't even think about, you know, getting attacked, like getting cyber threats. So what can they do to be proactive and prevent it? Yeah, I think it's being very careful with your passwords, first and foremost. I think do yeah. not use, do not recycle passwords. I think that is the number one thing that all of us are guilty of. Guilty. <laughs> and I'll tell you, my, uh, for the record, my Facebook and Twitter and all of these accounts have the exact same password. Um, that's bad security. <laughs> um, but it's just something that we as normal users do all the time. Um, make sure that when you've got the option, turn on two-factor authentication. I know it's a pain in the butt to get your cell phone and get the code off of it, but I think it's a smart idea. It's a little bit more hassle, but for your bank account, absolutely. You know, for like important yeah. accounts, like no doubt. Um, you can even do that for Gmail. Like now they have that as a functionality. So I'd say turn on two-factor when you can, make sure your passwords are good, and just be careful when you click on emails. Like I think the biggest form of social engineering attack that I see for users that they don't realize because I promise you I've fallen for this myself at least two times. They'll say, you know, Ash has shared a document with you on Gmail, click here to edit. You click and they'll say, you know, punch in your username and password on Gmail oh. to see it. And bam, they have your username and password. And I promise you I've fallen for that. And I know several others that have. So when you see emails, try to verify that you know who's sending it to you. Um, don't answer questions, you know, and your cybersecurity even extends your phone, I think, right? When you get these yeah. robo calls, be careful with what you say, like, are you verbally signing a contract? Um, so I think it's just being very mindful of everything you're doing on the internet because the internet is permanent. Yeah, we leave a digital trail. <laughs> yeah. We go. Like, I think this is pretty much the first generation that leaves a digital trail like our uh, grandparents never did that but whatever we do is recorded now so yeah, yeah and what is something that you wish people understood about cybersecurity? i wish people would understand that cybersecurity is hard um and hard from multiple perspectives it's the thing is it's very hard to protect yourself no matter, you could have every single, I'm sure the cybersecurity vendors won't like this, but you can have every single cybersecurity product out there in the market probably and still experience a cyber attack. It just takes a motivated attacker to make it through the, you know, think of the case of Sony when uh, they were releasing the movie, The Interview. Um, yeah. They got hacked, right? They, they, I'm sure they took security seriously, but they still got hacked. Um, if you have a motivated attacker, and this kind of marries with my first point, is security is hard. There are millions of different attack vectors, and your cybersecurity posture, which is like your cumulative cyber threat and how you measure your cyber, just because you protect down five or six of the avenues doesn't mean there aren't little holes. And that's where an attacker gets in. They only have to of the million plus attack vectors, they only have to be right one time. You have to be right every time. And that's what makes cyber so hard. 
they have a cybersecurity product and say even despite the cybersecurity product they still get a cyber threat so in that case is the the company like the cybersecurity company liable for entering for letting the cyber threat enter into their company or so not can, really. candidly candidly i don't know the answer of that and will i don't think you can point to an exact example of a particular cyber vendor failing you know, yeah. think of how many antivirus softwares we've all installed over the years. Like, I'm sure you've still had a virus on your computer. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> true. So I think it's a best effort. You know, these companies are spending tons of money and doing the best they can to provide you the best software. Like, and I think every single cybersecurity company I know produces great technology. It's just cybersecurity is just such a hard problem that it's it, it's hard to it's no one's fault if there's an attack vector that you don't see because there's just so many of them. Yeah. Yeah. And also with like geopolitical tensions and we recently saw a news where countries were hacking into each other. And with that happening, do you see governments improving their cybersecurity spend like drastically over the next 10 to 15 years? I think everyone's going to start increasing their cybersecurity spend. I don't think it's just government alone. I think everyone is understanding the value of cybersecurity. Um, even the smallest of companies, I think, will increase their cyber spend. Um, and it's just something that's going to be an ongoing struggle, I mean, or a challenge, I should say, because there's attack vectors that I see today that didn't exist, you know, five years ago when I entered the industry. Um, so I think that's one of the most challenging things about cyber is it's just an evolving target and you just need to find out how to parse it. Yeah. Yeah. There's something that always like scared, scared me. That was uh, autonomous vehicles. Like once we have autonomous vehicles mainstream, what if someone hacks into your car like that would be pretty devastating. So yeah. Interesting well, to see. It, it, and you're you're talking about autonomous vehicles which leverage machine learning and artificial intelligence. Think about the entire field of adversarial machine learning. I did a yeah. quite a bit of my PhD work there. And these models are trained on input data. And basically with the ML model, you put input out, put put input in, and you get an output. Uh, mm -hmm. attacker can manipulate the input to give you a, a wrong output. So the yeah. easiest example is if you're running an autonomous vehicle and this isn't a problem anymore, but it used to be a problem. If I shine the, so the autonomous vehicle should turn left, but depending on the angle of the light, it will turn left or right, right? So an attacker can now shine light at a different angle, even though the input is still go left or, yeah. you know, should indicate to go left. The attack on the angle of the light can make it go right and cause an accident. Well, <laughs> it's a very interesting space to be in the cybersecurity because, you know, yeah, it'll it, never end. <laughs> there's no end. It, there's definitely no end in sight. I mean, that's why, you know, dovetailing back into schools that can, um, we've been promoting cybersecurity education for high schoolers because we see that this is a trend that won't end, at least in our lifetimes and maybe, you know, in the next few generations where cybersecurity is such a hard problem that jobs will always, you know, it's a great job in the coming years. Yeah, definitely. And 
with all these threats going around, how do you how do you see comp- innovative companies innovating their way through cyber threats? Yeah, absolutely. So I think companies in the cybersecurity space are it's obviously an evolving target, right? Like cybersecurity is changing. Um, the best example is back in the day, everyone had on-premise security. You know, all your machines were on-premise. You know, all your computers were on-premise. So that requires a certain type of security. But you now need a different type of security now that companies are moving to the cloud. So now you have a different type of cloud security. So now people are going through these hybrid phases where they're going from on-prem to cloud and they have a little bit of both. And so that's where we're seeing evolution. Companies are developing new products to help provide like a one-step solution or, you know, one-stop shop for both on-prem and cloud. Um, And then think about COVID, right? Like now everyone's working from home. So the perimeter of your workforce is basically expanding. And so one of the biggest challenges we're facing, I'd say in the cybersecurity landscape is how do you detect all sorts of different threat vectors now? Um, One thing that everyone, I I think everyone would call it corporate espionage, but one of the attack vectors that you have to think about now that's ever more prevalent is the insider threat, right? Because back in the day, everyone's going into work, working, leave. But now you're seeing prominent cases. I think Cisco had an example of insider threat where a old, you know a former engineer came and hacked 15,000 plus accounts. Um, Shopify, I saw something the other day pop across, I think. Shopify had an incident on the insider front as well. So I think that everyone is facing new threats in the cyber world and all the companies, like every single cyber company that I can think of is adding to their core feature sets because they realize that there's this more like 10 10 million more problems than you can like come up with solutions and that's one of the interesting things i think about the cybersecurity space is that there's a whole host of companies that are public today but then there's hundreds of other cybersecurity problems so it's a very exciting space because there's so much innovation so much white space um, for products like you know zscaler excellent cloud security product and they're still adding new features so it just shows you that no one's got a one st- you know no one's done innovating because there's so much innovation that still needs to be done right yeah fair enough so in your eyes like what would be the key themes to look out for not just cybersecurity mainly cybersecurity and computer science that we haven't actually uh, seen yet. So we know for sure that cybersecurity is a key theme. We know autonomous driving would be a key theme. What would be some other key themes that people would not be aware of? Yeah, I think it's just the application, the value of data is largely being overlooked. I mean, we saw some people have challenges like MoviePass, who is trying, I'm not sure if you're familiar with them. They were trying to collect data at any cost and it did cost uh, them too much at that point. But I think data is becoming very valuable and data-driven plays, um, especially with machine learning, are very exciting right now. I think there's a number of companies that are doing some really innovative data science-driven work applied to a whole host of different areas. I think, you know, similar to how machine learning, or sorry, cybersecurity is a conversation for every company, it's how do we use our data to improve our company? You know, 
and it's not something new. I think this was happening 20, 30 years ago. They just called it different things. And now, <laughs> you know, data analytics, business analytics um, is becoming very important for companies to stay on top of operations. Earlier, you touched about how you uh, incorporate cybersecurity to your organization, schools that can. Um, it feels like the future is mostly technology and computer science based jobs, especially that machines are taking over most of the non-creative roles that humans used to do. So what would be your advice for someone who's seeking a technology pathway, but do not have the actual technical background and they're always already in their chosen field of career? Yeah, I, I think it's important to just be wary of what's happening in cybersecurity. I think there's going to be job opportunities in every industry like we've talked about. Um, but I think cybersecurity is just a very exciting profession. Um, but there's ways to be involved. Like, for example, if I was going through high school again um, and I wanted to be a cyber, involved with a cybersecurity company, um, the thing people don't realize is you don't have to be an engineer. Like, I think when I think of cybersecurity, I, I mean, I'm in the industry and I'm guilty of it, right? I think of engineers who are coding and doing all that machine learning, data science of stuff. Um, I don't think that's not, that's not necessary anymore, right? Because there are so many other ways you can contribute to a cybersecurity company. The, great, the best example I'll give you is psychology. To think, to find these various attack vectors we thought about, uh, talked about, you have to think about what the attackers thinking about. You have to think about your attackers like motivations and how they might go about things. No one can do that better than a psychologist, right? Um, so there's so many ways you can be in almost any industry I can think about, like any mindset. Like if you're a really good writer, you can write about cybersecurity, make it digestible for people not in the industry. So that's how you can be a writer in cybersecurity. There's just so many ways you can touch cybersecurity and be part of the industry without becoming an engineer. And I think that's what's very exciting. I would definitely say self-study is very important to make sure you like it before you jump into anything, whether it's investing, whether it's cybersecurity. I think it's really like, um, you know, you go, I, I, I don't know in the post-COVID era whether it'll ever happen, um, but you know, it's like going to a store and trying on some shoes. You wanna make sure you like the shoes in the store before you take it home. Um, and before you commit to a boot camp or any other form of study, I think it's very important to make sure you're actually really interested in cybersecurity because, you know, it, not everything is for everyone, right? Like some people like, you know, medicine, like the, I don't want to blood, you know, like it's, it's different for everyone. Right. So maybe you don't want to be around like the concept of people hacking and you don't want to be in that environment. So you just need to make sure it's right for you and then dip your toe in the water, learn a little bit. Um, and then see what the best avenue is because you might not require a formal degree in cybersecurity to okay. do the job you, you're interested in. Fair enough. So yeah, let's get into a bit more about investing. Um, but say, for example, you see a very interesting stock. What, how would you approach it? What, what are the key things that you would look for in a stock that you would add to your long-term portfolio? Yeah, I think in my long-term portfolio, and I'm speaking strictly as a private investor here, um, I look for companies that I think are exciting in what they offer. Um, and I'm also looking for companies that have proven traction in the market. 
um, meaning do they have a lot of customers? Do people like it? You know, what do people think of the product? Like, um, you know, Asana came public re recently, Palantir came recent, public recently. They have tons of customers. They have people who love their product, swear by their product. So that's a good data point to have is that these are companies that people like. Um, and also just understanding how big their potential opportunity is, right? Like if you're solving, you know, how to make, I don't know, like a very special toaster for a very special type of bread, your market might not be big enough of people who buy that special toaster. Um, I think it's really understanding the size of the problem that the company addresses um, and where the company is in its life cycle and understand the competitive landscape. I think, you know, candidly, this is part of the reason why I think as an individual investor, it's tough to pick particular small stocks that are up and coming uh, because it's hard to, you know, it takes a lot of research. Like let's just take security, which is a space I know much better than other spaces. You could look at any company, like I, I can think of any random cybersecurity company, but there's probably 10 other companies that are in that space. How do you know which one yeah. will gain how much of market share? So that's why ETFs oftentimes for investors who don't have the time to do as much research, they can get exposure to different sectors um, and be a bit diver diversified. Yep, cool. And who do you see as key leaders leading to the next, leading to innovations in the cybersecurity space? Like what companies? You mentioned yeah. Zscaler before. Yeah, I, I think what Zscaler, but I, you know, I say Zscaler, but I can say Microsoft has really strong yeah. cybersecurity. Um, I can say any public, I'm looking at my list of cybersecurity companies on the left here, every single one of their leadership teams, management, they're all visionaries. They all see very well into the future of where cybersecurity is headed. Um, and they all solve different problems in the space. That's one of the most most challenging things about cybersecurity is, and this is what I would tell an investor is, it's hard, it's such a broad space that cybersecurity is not just email security. It's not just, uh, you know, endpoint security. It's not just network security. It's really the combination. So it's hard to pick one leader. Zscaler is obviously very good at cloud security, you know, and CrowdStrike's great at endpoint vulnerability management. Um, and there's, you know, user behavior analytics companies, and there's several who are great at that. So it's it's such a tough thing to look at uh, to pick one leader, because I think you just have to listen to them all, because I think they all have <laughs> nuggets of wisdom yeah. to offer. Honestly, they have different approaches at times, but I think if you generally hear the messaging, there are similar themes that pop up, up across the sector. Yeah, got it. And if you could go back 20 years when you were looking at Enron what are some things that you would change or you tell yourself? Yeah, I, you know, I, I was much younger then. Um, so I would tell myself to uh, do certain things in life differently, maybe. Um, I would actually going back in time, if I had 20 years, I would tell myself to buy every single IPO that did very well. <laughs> so, um, yeah, but but I think I think I largely don't regret the decisions that I made. I think for average investors, including myself, diversification is your friend. Um, ETFs are your friend, and not to be scared of you know if you have a company you really like, um, don't be scared to buy a little bit of it. 
Um, you know, there's so many exciting companies and your the biggest thing I would tell an investor is don't, don't invest more than you can afford to lose. So don't use margin to start investing because I know a lot of trading platforms, it's very lucrative that now your buying power, if you have $10,000 in the account, your buying power can be 25,000. Well, that's dangerous because you can lose more money than you have. That's, that's not good. Um, and you don't want, you know, most people should be directionally long. Don't try to short the market. I think that's dangerous as an individual investor. Again, like, um, sure. If you think you have a huge edge, maybe try it. But again, these are things that are dangerous. I think in your personal portfolio, you should be trying to accrue money over time and not go for home runs, you know, singles win the race, right? Like, and if you look at it, the S and P 500, every seven or 10 years, I forget your money will double. Yeah. So time is your friend when you're an investor. So start young, start little amounts and just get your toes in the water. I'd say the biggest investment you want to make when you can't afford to, you know, not everyone can invest dollars into the market. I think investing in knowledge, um, I know that's super cliched, um, but I think it's super valuable. Like when I entered the market, I knew exactly where I wanted to place my money when I had the money to place. But had I just come in with money with no knowledge, I would have not known what to do. So I knew how to invest my first thousand dollars because I had practiced. And, you know, one of the things I'd recommend everyone who wants to learn about trading is open up a paper trading account and trade it like it's real money and try out different little mini strategies. If you really view that as something you want to try, I always say test, test, test until you actually go live. Where can the audience reach you and what can they expect from you? Yeah, absolutely. So as Ash can attribute, I, you know, I'm pretty responsive to everyone. Um, (laughs) And, uh, you know, you can reach me on Twitter, Um, Twitter, Quora, you know, you name it. I got a question today in the morning about someone asking about what AI technology can be used to dub movies. And I answered, (laughs) so I, I'll, 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 I'll try my best to answer all and every question. Um, And if I don't respond, it's not because I, ignored you it's just probably because i didn't see you so feel free to message me again that's awesome and yeah so thank you so much for your time freedom i really enjoyed our chat and i'm sure everyone else did they learned a lot about cybersecurity. and yeah i wish you all the best yeah no thanks no thanks for having me ash i hope uh this was helpful to anyone listening oh, and yeah. um a- anyone uh if anyone wants to reach out feel free at any time thank you everyone for listening I hope you enjoyed it and learned something new from this episode. If you did, make sure you like, comment and subscribe. And if you know anyone who would benefit from the content we covered today, make sure you share it with them and add some value to their life. Have a blessed day and take care.